Hey, I'm Jason Gray. Hey, this is Sarah Gross. Hey, I'm Andrew Osinga. Hi, this is Michael Carr. Hey, this is Andrew Peterson, and you're listening to Voices in My Head. And this is me, so let's have some exciting music. Who is me, you ask? Well, me is Rick Lee James, and this is my podcast, Voices in My Head. We've got a great show for you this week, so stay tuned. Welcome back to episode number 151 of the Voices in My Head podcast. As always, I am your host, Rick Lee James, and this week I am happy to say that Nick Flora is our guest on the Voices in My Head podcast. I met up with Nick Flora in Nashville, Tennessee. Actually, to be technical, it was in a Best Western hotel in Franklin, Tennessee, and uh, we had some time in the afternoon while I was down there just uh, two days ago, actually, to uh, record, finish recording vocals on my new album, which I am happy to say vocally it is complete um all that has to be done now is uh, a couple more background vocals but we are scheduled to have it mixed in october which means next month this album will be finished and we can send it to mastering and get it onto disc and get it on the internet and send it out after a year of waiting um finally we're able to get this done but it has been an honor to work with producer craig adams all the people at lifeway worship on this project um, but the album, uh, just a reminder, it is an independent release, so we are uh, still asking for donations if you could because I'm st- operating out of a deficit right now personally from all the trips down to Nashville and the money it's going to take to actually commit these things to disc. Uh, but man, I am so excited about it. Just getting to hear all these tracks again when I was in Nashville and uh, having the, the background vocals added and the final vocal added on the one song we hadn't done yet. Uh, man, I'm just really excited. I've never been more excited about making music than I am right now. So anyway, um, if, if you haven't donated yet, you can go to GoFundMe.com slash hymns, H-Y-M-N-S, and you can read more about the project. You can pre-order it there. Um, hopefully before Christmas, this will all be wrapped up and I can get all these discs out to people who have given as your reward for giving to this project. And then early in the next year, we can release it on a wide scale. But enough about me today. Um, thank you for, for listening to this podcast. Thank you for supporting um, music, and, and we are back to talking about music this week. Next week, uh, my guest, if all goes as well as it, as I hope, um, my guest will be Walter Brueggemann. Uh, we're going to be, be recording that on location in Cincinnati. But this week is a, is a fantastic musician. One of my favorite people to have on the podcast is Nick Flora. As I uh, have alluded to already, we were in a Best Western motel room, a little small room, um, nothing fancy or anything, but it was what I could afford on my trip down to Nashville this time. Nick was nice enough to come by. We sat around. We had some great laughs. We talked about his new uh, EP, Future Boy, which is a part of a three EP release, which is going to be coming out over the next um, several months. And uh, the day that I was recording this was the day before uh, the wide release of Future Boy, when it officially came out on online on Amazon and iTunes and all the places you get your music. Uh, Nick handed me my physical copy of it. And uh, I, I'm very glad that I donated to his project so that I could hear it in advance and we had something to talk about because the songs are really great. It's a real departure for Nick, and uh, I could go on and on about it. And I do a little bit, actually, on the podcast. But I'm going to stop talking right now and let you just hear the conversation that we had in this uh, Franklin Hotel room on uh, September 21st of 2015. Uh, and the album released on the 22nd. If you haven't bought it yet, go out and buy Nick Flora's Future Boy. 
boy, you will not regret it, especially if you like rock music, because, man, this album rocks like nothing he has ever done before. It really is a great album. So let's listen to my conversation with Nick Flora, Future Boy. Still, when you're tired, you still go and work out. When I'm tired, well, because I can't sleep, so I'll I do something. Yeah, I guess so. I've definitely done that where I woke up at like four for no reason. Yeah. I'm like, you know what? I might as well just go to the gym. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, yeah. I do that all the time. At yeah. least fit it in. I don't have to complain about trying to fit it in. Well, it's sounding pretty good here. Are you uh, you ready to start? Are you recording? Yeah, I'm good. All right, we're already started. Okay, and now my recorder is started too. Well, welcome back to this, uh, This I guess we can call this a crossover podcast between the Voices in My Head podcast and uh, then, what? go ahead and say your podcast as well. It's called Who Writes This Stuff? Who Writes This Stuff? And the answer to that question today is Nick Flora writes this stuff. That's true. We're going to be talking not about... Not to get technical, but it's a statement. It's not a question. <laughs> <laughs> There's not a question mark at the end You're of it. right. It's Actually, fine. Okay, it's I never definitive. <laughs> All right. Uh, okay, who writes this stuff? Not a question uh, for his podcast. That's the that's already the starting way. off being annoying by telling you how to pronounce things. That's right. But if it was a question, and if his podcast <laughs> was called "Who Writes This Stuff," the answer today is Nick Flora, who wrote this uh, this great album called Future Boy. I wrote this stuff. He wrote this stuff. That's right. So uh, you've been listening to Voices in My Head. If you have for a while, then you know Nick because he's been on here. This is, I think, number your third three, time. Three number three. Number three. That's yeah. right. And uh, and those of you who are listening to uh, who writes this stuff without the question mark, um, yeah. you know Nick very well because every week they are sick of me. <laughs> they're hearing great stuff from you. So I wanted to take a chance. I'm here in Nashville today, uh, Franklin to be exact, right next to a lovely Waffle House. It which is I lovely. Probably won't go into. It's probably a nice one because it's in Franklin. It probably is. Yeah. Everything's nicer in Franklin. But uh, I'm here because I'm recording tomorrow at a, at a nearby studio. And uh, thank you for making time to come over today and yeah, talk sure. about your new album. Uh, at the time of recording this, we're a day away? Yeah, tomorrow, tomorrow morning. Tomorrow yeah. is the actual release of this. The so real, I, I got to hear deal. it already because I was one of the people that... Uh, donated a, a little bit of money on Kickstarter. Yes, and thank you. You funded it. With, yeah, with lots of people that were helping out. And yeah, it was great. That. So that's great. So we're going to talk about Future Boy today. Your new EP, and uh, it's one of three uh, EPs that, yeah. that are coming out. So I'm excited about that. And Nick, just a second ago, for those of you watching on Periscope right now, you can see the new album. Um, it's called Future Boy, and I have the album in digital form, but Nick just handed me the CD today, the physical copy, Fresh. so now I can put it in my car and actually hear it uh, with, with very little audio loss. Now yeah, I can very actually little. hear it. Yeah, very good. Like it's 1999. That's right, exactly. Listen to a CD. Well, as we often start here, uh, we're going to ask a question that has nothing to do with music, and we're going to call this the question of the week. One of our listeners on Twitter, on the Twitterverse, asked a question today. So question of the week for you is pancakes or waffles and why, which is very appropriate because we're right next to a waffle It is here. sort of perfect. I'm... Does this person work at the Waffle House next door? I don't know. <laughs> okay. I <laughs> Doesn't even live in this state. So. This is a very important question because they're very similar. John Wilkerson, by the way, asked this, and he is, also, John, he is John? also a podcaster. Oh, nice. Yeah, yeah. So he knows what he's talking about with That's these right. questions. He yeah. knows how to get the hard-hitting. He does. He <laughs> knows how to get the hard-hitting stuff. <laughs> you know what? I'm going to go waffles on this. Okay. I think I like waffles because it catches the syrup and the butter and yeah. all that. Like Pancakes make me feel... Uh, 
very ill after I eat a few of them. Really? For whatever reason, waffles, not so much. I don't know whether what the nutritional value between the two are. Hmm. And I also get the, the kick out of making my own waffle at, like, a continental breakfast setting. Oh, okay. I don't know. I'm one of those... The dumb Americans that gets a thrill from, like, oh, wow, looky, yeah. you know, I made my own thing. Probably going to have that at this hotel I'm staying oh, at yeah. in the morning. They're running. There's something about pouring that batter on it, That's and then, right. you know, five minutes later it pops out. And I tried to get my son to eat a, a leftover pancake this morning, and he threw a fit. He did not want to try it even. And usually, I think it's because this will be like the third day in a row he's having pancakes because <laughs> we had leftovers. <laughs> and he usually just gobbles them yeah, up le- today. Leftover pancakes are, aren't especially <laughs> great either. Especially the third time they're warmed up. It's really <laughs> Yeah, and I don't think anybody's ever made uh, less than... 30 pancakes in one sitting <laughs> I've, I've been to breakfast at a friend's house you know whether I was spending the night for a house show or something like that mm-hmm. and like it's just the two of us yeah. I was like why are there 30 pancakes <laughs> on the table I'll eat maybe two and then I'll need a nap that's right yeah What's Nobody's the, ever made less than 30. That's Jim Gaffigan says. They really make you lower your expectations for the day. <laughs> I've had pancakes today. Guess I'm not going to shower now. Yeah. All right. Well, the, we have the answer then. Waffles are... Thanks for listening, guys. Answer. Yeah. Thanks, Rick, for having me. <laughs> that's the only thing we really wanted to know. <laughs> Thanks, John, for asking that question today. We appreciate it. And um, I, I haven't gotten any other questions right now. I only posted about an hour ago. Maybe I did, but I kind of fell asleep. That's okay. So I, haven't looked, I might look at Twitter in a minute. If those of you on Periscope, listening if you want to send a message on twitter all three of you all three of you right now feel free and send a a question in and uh and we'll ask nick today on the podcast but i'm going to ask you about future boy i've listened to it through uh, two or three times now and i really like it and i i think i noticed something today that i had not noticed before okay um are you a doctor who fan I am not a Doctor Who fan. You're not a Doctor Okay, well, that blows my theory. There's the beginning of the Doctor Who theme uh, on the new series. No, it's actually the old, all the way back to... It does this... Like does really? It. Yeah. <laughs> it does that. And I thought, hey, it's Future Boy. Maybe, yeah. Maybe since he's a time traveler... Right. Nick is... Because the first song and the last song have almost identical ooh parts. Like yeah, they I do. Yeah. To and so that was the part I picked up, and I thought, oh, he's tying it together like the Big Lebowski's rug ties the room together. Exactly. He's tying the album together with these oohs. That was there. intentional, but okay. it has no tie to Doctor Who. Man. And it's not for... It's just for lack of time. Of, there's so many shows to watch. Understood. I haven't seen Game of Thrones either. There's nerdy things that I'm that I, that have been put in the queue for me to watch at some point, and Doctor Who's one of them. You should have just said yes, and then you would have had this whole nerd crowd. Yes. <laughs> and any time anybody talks about Doctor Who, the nerds just show up. They sense it. <laughs> for sure. No, it's it's a good show. I haven't seen all of them myself, but uh, I've seen several of them. Well, I just wondered. I thought, hey, I thought no, I the, thought you would actually. Do I like that, that though. If anybody would, because it does sound. It's not identical, but it's very close in the. The intro of the show is just people going, ooh, you know, it's, a, it's actually, it's a theremin. That's, that oh, movie. yeah, like, like on the yeah. Star Trek theme. Yeah, exactly. That's totally something I would do Yeah, if I was a fan of something. I would totally try to work that kind of thing into it, though, so. Maybe for the bonus tracks. It's a good, it's a good, yeah. <laughs> the bonus tracks have an EP. It would just, an EP. I would just make it the full album. <laughs> there are, like, there are ten extra bonus tracks. I'm like, why did he make it an EP? That's weird. <laughs> <laughs> I have extra bonus, bonus tracks and it makes it the full album. That's funny. I, that's something I would do that too. That is good. That is good. You should think of it in the future. 
Well, let's talk about the business of breaking hearts. And I don't mean the actual mm. business. I mean the song. Cause yeah. I want to discuss that. Um, I, I like how you referenced my podcast in this song, Voices in My Head. I uh, do. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. In the song. That was and totally I, intentional as well. It was. And you're talking about 10 years in. Yeah. Um, just you, you always have a story to your song. And, and yeah. I'm planning, by the way, as, as we're listening, the listeners are going to get to hear clips of this. So just imagine that at this moment, I'm playing a little clip. Song drive. Right now. You guys like that? That was good. So it'll be on the podcast when we edit it. Yeah. What what specifically would you like to know? The story behind it? Yeah, because it starts out with 10 years in and you're telling Mm. the story. And and, uh, I wanted you to tell the story because I have wrongly assumed in the past that you were telling a story about yourself when maybe you were actually telling someone else's story. <laughs> yeah, that's know? true. I tell a lot of other people's stories. You do. So it's much. it's never really safe to assume it's me. Right. <laughs> I really right. enjoy that aspect of it. No, the this one is first person, but it's also a conglomeration of like the frustrations more or less that I've come upon in my 10 years in the music industry and trying to pursue this full time and and then also with friends that have tried to do it, you know, whether they live here or otherwise, just sort of like those those it's easy when you're trying to pursue a, a dream as a job mm-hmm. um and you can relate to this that it it's very easy to sort of get off track and forget why you're doing this in the first place and maybe even ask yourself out loud after a terrible show in your car this is very specific uh why am i doing this like <laughs> what is the point well yeah it was yeah. it was nobody showed up <laughs> it was just me uh, <laughs> but it, it, it was one, it's one of those really frustrating yeah. experiences. Well, yeah, yeah, when you're just sort of like, why am I doing this? What's the point? You know, because the business tells us the point is numbers and people paying attention and, and all these sort of like buzzwords um, that I'm not good at. <clears throat> but I, you know, so the song I wanted to voice that frustration, but also have it be an anthem that sort of encourages you know to to like listen. It's gonna be hard, and there's no guarantees, but you know, you can sort of define your own success. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't have to be music business. This is any sort of like, anytime you're chasing any kind of dream or like, I really would like this to happen in my life. Like I, you dreamed it up and then you manifested it. Like mm-hmm. that kind of, anything like that, just to sort of get perspective on it. And yeah. sort of, rem- the, I wanted this song to be a kind of a reminder, like it's going to be hard and it's going to stink, but there is a point in that struggle where you have to sort of get perspective and remind yourself, you know, like, 
Well, I'm doing this because I love it, mm-hmm. not because I wanted to be Bono. Yeah. Because you know? I, when I com- came up, I did. I thought like you're not successful until you're Bono. Right. You know, but yeah. nobody gets to be Bono. Like there are like maybe five Bonos in history. No, nobody but Bono. You know, it's crazy. So yeah, so there, there's a lot of that, and and I always try a little side note. Like I always try to, on every album, try to write some sort of little. Uh, wink to the artistic struggle mm-hmm. like some sort of song that kind of like shows either this is where i am now or in the past like my song presence of greatness or the reintroduction on the last album mm-hmm. just some sort of like okay here we go this is where i am you know like i kind of think so this is this is definitely that the business of breaking hearts is the, in this case the business of pursuing a dream yeah because we get our heart broken or, a lot or but it could just be the music business it, yeah, could, it could very be specifically that. be that yeah well, I think just just writing uh, is is a difficult thing anyway because the, it, it, nobody wants to um, pay the one who's doing the work anymore, you know. And, yeah. there, and there's a lot of work to it, and there's a lot of rewriting and rewriting and rewriting and co-writing and you know making sure you get it right. And then when the song's done, people don't see all the behind the scenes; they just see the finished product and yeah. they take it for granted. And I don't know about you, but I get I get really tired of background music. And I, I almost feel offended sometimes that there's music playing in the background. Really? <laughs> almost. Why do you, Why do you get offended the, by background only, music? Only because, um, I want I want the artist to be heard, and I like I I I can appreciate what they're putting into it. And okay. I, I don't want to say it offends me. I guess, um, but I do wish we would pay more attention because it it can just become like white noise. Oh yeah, for sure. You know, and how many times have I? heard a song that i've heard for you know 15 years when i walk into kroger and one day i sat down like i'm just gonna really listen to this for the first time you know Mm -hmm. (laughs) and i go man these are like good like somebody really poured a lot of like blood sweat and tears into this song and um and and everybody likes a little background music wherever you are but i I feel like sometimes we're we're short shrifting artists um almost like you know if an artist made a a painting or something and and they spent all this time on it and they just kind of and it's and they got put in a hotel right exactly (laughs) it's in a hotel room and how how often do we immediately walk in and look at the tv and and the art in the hotel room may not be fantastic usually it's i think it's specifically supposed to just be there and not distract exactly Exactly. which is in a very interesting specific type of art it's it, it does you're right if you think about it long enough you're like people put time i think about that when i go through like the the sort of you know the the half price bin or whatever at like mm-hmm. a CD store or like a, a pawn shop or that kind of thing. Like I always think about, I was like, man, this was somebody's, and you know, this was somebody's like every every record you see that's they're selling for ninety nine cents that you never heard of the person mm-hmm. represents a really good day in the life of somebody. Like yeah. when that came out, that <laughs> guy was stoked, and like people really worked hard to make it. Yeah, somebody. You know, maybe not everybody involved, but somebody did. Yeah, sure. and so it's always I always try to like respect that a little bit, at least like yeah. flip through liner notes or like look yeah. and kind of like, yeah, take note. Yeah, well, and I and again, I I think I've become numb to a lot of music because it's just background, and I wonder yeah. if we made it a little more special if we wouldn't. But but everything's just always available to us constantly. I know. You know, there's not this relationship that people once had, unless you're like a real audiophile and you listen to records. And I do have records at home. But like the idea that you have to like get in there, and you have to actually flip it at some point. Yeah, and like get there. It's an and, intentional and to, thing. Yeah, yeah, very yeah. much. So I I wish we could 
recapture some of that. Maybe we can. I mean, I think it's both. I I think because there is good music, and I hate the term like it's good music to ignore because some some music is just great vibe music. Right. Um, but I and I have a hard time. I've I've said this on my podcast multiple times, but like I'll be at Chili's and and with a group of people, and I'll yeah. be I'll note every single song that plays over the loudspeaker, yeah. and you know, and and bring it up in conversation, and be like, oh, I haven't heard this, or quiz people, and they're like, what are you doing? We're yeah. eating we're eating nachos <laughs> that are three thousand calories. Why right. are you bringing up you know Third Eye Blind or whatever? I'm right. like, no. So it is an interesting. Yeah. I there, I don't have background. I can't even have music on in the background yeah. when I'm working. Maybe. Unless it's, spe- I have to make it a specific thing. Maybe even food falls into that category because we don't even. I mean, we're not even really mindful of that, and like all, that all the chef put into it, you know. Because no. we usually it's just give it here, yeah. You know, we're just hungry and it's gone, and like, well, it's, what else can we? It eat, serves you know? a purpose. So, uh, so we're getting deep talking about consumerism here, I, but, which is fits perfectly uh, into track too. <laughs> it does. Let's, all, let's get into that because I, I, I don't, I don't even mean to do that transition. That was it great, just masterful, Rick. I'm very impressed. Yeah, I. I, let me take that back. I did mean it. I meant every word of it, um, how we went into it. No, but it really does uh, fit with your next song. It's all coming together now. Yeah. Um, I, now, let me say, first of all, this is a, um, like, the, when the heavy, like, eighth note downbeat electric guitar comes in, it's mm. like a really rocking song. Yeah, this is probably the most rocking I've it, ever gotten. It is. Mm. It's, it's, uh, Which it's, I like. Yeah, I like that, too, a lot. And, I, and it doesn't sound like Wild Thing, but all I could think at the beginning was, <laughs> like, it had this vibe, like, Wild Thing, like, it, like this <laughs> is going to be yeah. a wild song. But talk to us about It's All Coming Together. I mean, I, in, I mean, sonically, I really wanted to write something that was different than I'd done before, and I knew working with this producer, Jordan Phillips, who did the he's just a rock guy like I've never heard him listen to a ballad like he's only every time I've been in a car I've been on tour with him before and we've been driving to like you know where we're staying for the night at three in the morning and he's just cranking Led Zeppelin and Mm -hmm. I'm falling asleep and he's just like this is great he's just that kind of guy so in he has a really good sort of modern ear for things and but also in the way you know music now you hear it and you're like oh this is very fresh mm-hmm. but only because nobody's done it for 30 years yeah. or whatever like it's right. really a throwback to like you know soul motown but it's like oh it sounds so fresh like yeah, exactly. alabama shakes sounds really fresh but really it's just you know otis redding or whatever yeah. re- repurposed and so for me that's what this was this is sort of a wink to my upbringing as a 90s uh power pop Weezer fan, like that yeah. sort of that I still listen to now. I still love that a really good power pop song with a yeah. fun singable chorus, and well, so that that was the sort of beginning of of writing the song. Well, let's let listeners, not the subject matter, but yeah, let's talk about the subject matter right after I play a little bit of it here because I want people to hear some of it.
Oh, did you guys love Just, that? Especially those watching Periscope. They love it. All too, lot, so. I'm gonna, by the end of this Periscope, I, I want it to we be have, at zero. We have, <laughs> I, I want to lose, lose everybody. everybody. <laughs> um, so it's all coming together. There's yeah. a line in the song that I think is great. I think it's in the second verse. Calories don't count. Yeah. And, you know, uh, you're talking about several different things. But And we were just talking about consumerism and, and how we kind of ignore things but talk us like the content of the song tell us a little bit more about where this yeah, came from. yeah. it's it really stems from like our, our it's it's a definitely tongue-in-cheek satire of a song that sort of uh stems from our culture now our obsession with sort of convenience and our constant growing ever-growing impatience mm-hmm. for things and we love a new app that's going to help us avoid traffic or you know uh, helps us find the the local the, the nearest Burger King or McDonald's, um, which is its own thing that, that also feeds into this uh, because fast food is an example of what I'm sort of parodying here. But it's all about convenience and it's all about, I don't want to wait for anything. Mm-hmm. So in this song, you know, and we know, we know being f- adults with fully formed brains that it's, it's not going to work. Speak for yourself. We do. Okay. For me, anyway, <laughs> I know Rick, you'll get there. I, you know, we, we know that like, we're so hungry, we're dying, we eat the McDonald's, we immediately feel bad, mm-hmm. you know? But if we would have waited and, like, maybe sat down and actually had something with nutritional value, we would have felt relieved and not yeah. terrible afterwards. You know, things like that, and or, you know, just the, the way cigarettes used to just be, like, a quick fix for stre- for dads who were stressed out, and we're like, yeah. oh, that's great. Give them to kids. Who cares? Yeah. You know? <laughs> and then in the, in the 20s, it was that way. There were, yeah. like, ads with, like, kids and cigarette ads. That's just... It, but it turns out, you know, that's harmful. So a lot of the, the song was sort of based on sort of a... The, every song sort of, in a way, winks at time travel or f- some sort of element of that. And this is sort of we're a glimpse into the future. But what if, like, our prospect and the way that we see everything in the future came true? So we're like, oh, we have this new app that, you know, helps us find a lawyer to sue our daddy issues. You know, mm-hmm. or something silly. We're like, we're removing all of the, the struggle out of our lives one by one. Yeah. And then we can finally be the, this wholly realized person that I think that a lot of consumerism and advertising is, is sort of bent yeah. towards, you know, like, buy this and you'll be complete. Mm-hmm. You know, f- watch this show and you'll feel whole. Yeah. All this stuff, you know, and, and we buy into it left and right. And so this song is sort of a, a wink to that, to like, maybe we can fix all our problems by removing them and we're this, you know, but in reality, our problems and our struggles make us who we are. So I I wanted, I wanted to write a song about this and I hope that it comes through and it's not (laughs) like, what is this guy talking about? It's a brilliant song about lowering your standards. It totally is. Like, why don't we just lower our standards to the point where, you know, we don't have any anymore. We we can just get our conscience out of there. It's in the way. This is going to be a terrible, like, I mean, it's, it's actually not, but I don't know how many people know the reference. This is just because I've watched all the Star Trek movies at one point or another, but there's a scene in, um, Star Trek Five, I think it's it's the pretty the poor, undiscovered country. Pretty poor Isn't movie. Isn't that it? Or is that six? Yeah, I, I think it's whichever one where they go to find God. I can't remember which one. It oh is. yeah, yeah. One? I think that's the undiscovered country. And, uh, and the one Vulcan is, that's taking everybody's pain away. Um, he comes in yes. and he's he's like taking it all away from him. And, and at one point, Captain Kirk says, "I need my pain." 
it's what makes me who I am. You know, I ha- I need to have that. I don't want you to take it away from me. You know, and and I, I think that's very true. That's I mean, huge. That's profound. It is in such a poor movie. It's a, <laughs> it's a it very is. profound. I remember thought. that one being pretty boring. <laughs> yeah, it was pretty bad. But that's it's a good thought and it's true. So yeah, I think no, that's exactly Captain Kirk summed up sort of what this is. Way yeah. to go, and it, and it works with the Future Boy thing. Yeah, it does. It it's does. A, yeah, it works very well. It's well, a little side universe. Little, you know, it's a little he, alternate universe. Maybe that was his album, and in, in, in the future he was listening to this. And that was I mean, we all saw the, well, none of, not all of us, but us nerds saw <laughs> generations where he was coexisting <laughs> right. with the new generation. That's right. That's right. Uh, take it from the top. Let's talk about this song. And I'm pleased to say that I was in the music. Yeah, you were. This along with uh, about 350 other people. Which <laughs> so uh, many people. <laughs> there was a lot of people. And that was there great, were. I, that was so fun to put that video yeah, together. Yeah. And, and that was sort of your teaser for the album for mm-hmm. people that hadn't donated in advance. I thought, man, what a great idea. Uh, you always got such innovative ideas like that, and uh, and it was fun to watch and see everybody. Yeah. I I didn't know what to do. I took off my hat and put a different. No, hat it was on good. Everybody saw it kind of, and I didn't really give much direction as much as yeah. I just said, kind of make it your own or make it fun, do whatever you want. Yeah. And people really, you know, they yeah. they made props and they they acted out things, and yeah, some it was really did some fun great stuff. They really did, um, which made the people who just looked in the camera and sang like almost like perfect because we yeah. need that too. Yeah, it was a really fun sort of collaborative ex- uh, experiment. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. So uh, let me just say this: I'll play a little clip of it here, but go online and look for the Future Boy video because it's a really fun video and uh, it's it's a good way to set up the song. So let's play a clip from uh, from Take It From the Top. You found yourself alone again But you still feel her on your skin She's been a mystery as long as you remember It's in your history to find love and surrender There's only forward, there's no back Your ego keeping you Top, and we are back now. So and, catchy. Uh, yeah, it is. It's so catchy. <laughs> Such a catchy song. Um, it seems I had a question. Um, uh, actually, I, I didn't have like a question specifically about this song because I was pretty familiar with it with the music theory and everything. Yeah. Um, but that was my trick. Make it. Because to make that video, people had to listen they to it a bunch of times. They had to listen to it, for sure. Yeah, to I got them. I know my main question about this one, though. It's, okay. it's not lyrically, but it's it's a great song lyrically. But uh, who did the guitar solo? In the video, it's Andrew saying it. It is. It's not him in it's real. It's not him He will life. be playing. He pl- he's going to play the CD release show with me, so he will play it live. That's but, awesome. uh, um Jordan Phillips, the director, or the director, the producer, yeah. uh, Jordan Phillips is a fantastic guitar player, and he... He has only one volume, and that's 11. Um, we joked about it several times when he would play guitar parts. That we would be like, that's great, but dial it back. Like He is so 
so bombastic, yeah. and I love that. It's really, it, you know, it's one of those people that, like, they're so high energy that it starts rubbing off on you, yeah. and you start sort of getting excited. Yeah. I think he has that sort of, so but he, he played that guitar solo, and most of the guitar solos in there, if not all of them, and, I mean, he, he ripped it. Well, I mean, just the, <laughs> just the groove of that song. I mean, you can tell it's got just this real powerful. When that bass line is, you mm-hmm. know, it just kind of. As soon as it starts. If you're in your car, if you had one of those hydraulic cars, it would be doing the. <laughs> it'd be doing the. Bounce, Maybe we should make know? another video with those hydraulic cars. <laughs> boom, boom, you know, just do that. Yeah, it, no, it's a great song. I really enjoyed it. A Thanks. Lot. Um, and so I'm, I'm just going to tell the listeners, go watch the video, and, yeah. and we'll move on to the other two tracks on the album. But it's, it's really a fun song, and I really like that one a lot. Unless there was something else you wanted to say about it specifically. No, there's really not much to say. I mean, it's lyrically, it's just a song about starting over and sort of the, the loneliness that comes along with that sometimes. But that, that's really that, that's the fun thing about it. some of these songs. I really, really went in depth, and sometimes I just... You know, I re- I just had like a simple idea that I just wanted to highlight. So that's really well, all there is know, to say. I know what I can ask about you before we move on. That yeah, because it's got that line about you're not the only one who's feeling lonely, and this can be a yes/no answer if you want. Do you think people are united sometimes in loneliness? Yeah, that's a huge not- through line in a bunch of my music. Yeah. Like I, I, and I didn't really notice it until somebody brought it up. They're like, you, somebody after a show was really kind and gave me a bunch of compliments, and one of them was that. They, my music is important because it reminds people they're not lonely a lot, which is something we forget. Or they're not the only one that's feeling lonely, like yeah. I say in the song. And I think we forget a lot, but especially in this generation where we're sort of the stars of our own shows because mm-hmm. social media is right. so you know rapid and vampid. I, I feel like it's important because we can so quickly feel like, well, nobody liked my Facebook status and yeah. feel alone in that. <laughs> and even though it's silly, it's a real feeling. So, Our yeah, personal there's, I, ex- <laughs> exactly. I'm so alone in this. Nobody liked my opinions on, you know, the Flash TV show. But there's, like, how dare they? Um, and I've had that moment, too, where I'll tweet something where I'm like, man, people are going to think this is great, and yeah. then crickets. And, if, and it feels lonely. But you do, because we are so connected, I think people just assume that we there's no possible way we can be lonely because, you know, that Instagram picture, that person was smiling in it. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, so I, I definitely think that, that you know, we feel sort of alone in our in, – uh, Wait, what was the original question? You framed it well, in a very just, specific just if, way. If you think people are united in oh, their yeah. loneliness, that's yeah. the thing. Yeah, and I think that's a really cool thing, especially when I play house shows and talk about that. And sort of, you know, there are people who come to house shows by themselves, which blows my mind because I would never be brave enough to walk into a stranger's living room by myself. But like, you know, just that. Just they're like, I don't have anything else to do, and they come in and they yeah. sit down, and then we all go through this cool experience together. And, you know, and that I watch loneliness get cured right there, you know, whether they're truly lonely or they just didn't have anybody to come with them that night. So, yeah, I think absolutely. Yeah. And that's that's a lot of what this song is about, which is why we repeat it 9000 times at the end. (laughs) Take it from the top. That's right. All right. Well, the the one song that I expected because of the of the rocky way that this whole album felt. I thought, man, when Future Boy gets here, it's going to be like Ziggy Stardust or something. <laughs> like it's going to be like yeah. super sci-fi, and and it's not. It's a no. it's an acoustic like ballad. It's a ballad, and yeah. You're singing about riding your bike in front of this girl's house as a kid. Yeah, and boy, you're going to be. In, and I, I I was like, that's all right because I was it's it's the unexpected. I was expecting Future Boy to be the most future sounding thing, and it's it's 
It works because it goes the opposite. Way. Yeah, it's a little yeah. bit of a misdirect, so. which I like. Yeah. I, li- I like setting expectations and then zigging and zagging and yeah. kind of be like, no, it's actually this. It's beautiful, though. I mean, Thanks. It's, it's a really nice song. Definitely. I was really happy with how it turned out, especially because there is sort of like a feeling, especially in the production, so I can brag on it because I didn't do the production, but the production of that song specifically does kind of take you to a, a place if you just sort of mellow out and sort of, like for me, even while I'm listening to it and it's me, like when we were mixing it, I was just sort of like taken mm-hmm. somewhere, and and you know that's that's a part of time travel too. Especially in this song, the element of time travel is the the being overly nostalgic to where we get stuck in the past, sure. and we we over romanticize those feelings of you know or times or experiences when we were kids or whatever. When really they were just moments, just like now. Mm-hmm. So why isn't now as special, you know? Right. And so like really the the struggle to stay present, which is yeah. which is just something that I think about constantly i'm just trying to find new ways to stay present and that that song is really what that's about because i am extremely nostalgic and in that way i'm a time traveler because i'm always living in the past or the or worried about the future or worried about the future yeah. well let's listen to just a little bit of that one too and then we will move on to the last song on the ep as a kid i'd ride my bike the house of the girl I like Just to see if she would notice I didn't worry about the past How much time that I had left I was happy in the moment Little did I know are back. <laughs> it feels so weird when you do that, but it sounds great when the podcast. I know, out. edit it together. Um, so, those of you at home listening don't realize that you know when we're sitting in this room, there's no music playing. We're just acting like it did. Oh, you just so, you just ruined it. Oh no! Don't give them a peek behind the curtain. <laughs> they, they didn't know. Okay. Um, for the sake of the call, is the no? I'm kidding. That's the, <laughs> I was like, you got a wrong, the wrong disc. <laughs> no, it was funny because uh, the last song on here is actually called "For the Sake of Conversation," and on Dropbox, where I'm listening to it through, uh, like my phone, it the, cuts off at the, the screen. Scene. Only cuts, and, I, and at first, I'm thinking, did he do like a cover, <laughs> Stephen Curtis Chapman, for the sake of the call? Both amazing and bizarre. <laughs> it, would be, it would be so out of place on here. <laughs> But and people would be like, "Wow, I haven't heard that song in years." Like he's doing another cover album. Man, he's busting out SC squared. He's, he's doing '90s cover uh, covers. Christian that would be song. hilarious and should, kind of awesome. You should do a, like a Normals cover album. I would love as that. As close as you are to Andrew. Oh man, it. I could so, totally do it. You could. It would be great because I know those songs so intimately. But you didn't do it, and in fact, no. it's a, it's a completely. <laughs> A different song. I didn't do it. But that was the, my little funny thing as I was trying to look at I'm like, for the sake of... And I had to turn my phone... <laughs> I turned my phone sideways and I could see what it was. It's a long title. But again, I love how you tied it all together because the ooze are back. And they are... Mm-hmm. And, and that's what I noticed today that I did in the first couple of times I heard it because I was listening more intently in my car today. And I was like, 
and I went back to track one. I was like, is that the same part? Like, and it is. It's almost identical yeah, yeah. to the same, like the the ooze and things. And in case you guys don't know, there's these things, you know, these hook lines. Um, and a lot of times anymore in songs, the hook is the ooze or the ahs or you know, yeah. If it's worship, no, 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 whatever it is. Um, but it's it's cool because it really does tie the first song to the last song yeah. for the sake of conversation. I'll do that a lot if you listen to my records all the way through or just the first track and the last track. Mm. It's not even subtle sometimes. I literally on the last album have this same lyric uh, at the end of the first song and it's at the beginning and the end of the mm-hmm. last song. So I, I like doing that full-on tying it up sort of right. thing. And especially with an EP, it's hard... Because a lot of times EPs are just sort of throwaway songs, mm-hmm. you know, especially with larger artists if they put them out. Like right. if YouTube puts out an EP, it's like a bunch of B-sides that didn't make it. But like for me, it just is – I wanted to make this a fully realized sort of experience and, and record. And the through line was that sort of ooze. Yeah. Are we still going? Yeah, we are. Just okay. checking the time. Right? Okay. Yeah, so, I mean, that's definitely, I'm glad that you, it makes me happy that you, I mean, the record hasn't come out yet, but, like, uh, you're the first person to catch that, so. I listen to it in the future. Whoa. It's a good future. You know what, I appreciate you time traveling (laughs) just for the theme of the record. I did, it worked out well. Well, um, instead of playing that song, I'm going to play a track called For the Sake of the Call. And no, <laughs> Wouldn't that be great, though, if I did? That um, song reminded me of this one, and I like it better, so we're going to play it. Let's hear it for Sake of the Call, Stephen Curtis yeah, Chapman. We'll, we'll play it, but would you sing it with a mullet? <laughs> you know, you can hear the mullet. You can hear you can the hear mullet. It, it kind of brushes against it's it. It's true. Now, uh, we're going to play a little bit of For the Sake of Conversation, and then we're going to talk about the other two EPs that are coming um, as part of this Kickstarter that you did, which uh, brought us Future Boy. That's right. So uh, let's listen to For the Sake of Conversation. Just say it out loud 
Let's do it. Yeah. That's what um, it's about. Let me say nickflora.com is the place to go where you can find out everything that's going on with Nick Flora. That's you right. You can find out his tour schedule. You can find out music he has out. Um, check out not just his brand new music, but music in the past. If this is your first experience hearing Nick, then you want to go back and pick up um, everything. I've got all of just his all albums. Just all of them. Just all of them. <laughs> they're, they're all really good. I, I don't know that I... I don't even want to say that one's better than another, but they're just different. They're they all, are. They're all... Um, and, and I... I I tend to like all of them uh, in in different ways for different reasons. Um, Did you first hear me at that Leonard show in Cincinnati? Yes, that was my first experience. I remember that. Where I was, in fact, the only one in the audience. You were? I think it was you and maybe, like, three other people. Yeah. And that was a really weird night. But also, it's one of those weird nights where... But it was also really great. There's something really, like, you know, I don't know whether we felt like we played well. There was just something... At the end of that tour, where we were eating dinner and we didn't feel like nobody was there, yeah, it was just like, oh, that was okay. Yeah, more people could have been there, but like that was still fun. So it, it, I attribute it to you. Well, it was all, I bring it when I come to watch a show. <laughs> I am a heck of an audience. I watch member. for twenty people. Man. I mean, you were holding up signs. You had like an afro <laughs> wig on. You were into it. I set the sprinkler off when I pulled the lighter out. It was great. It was really bad. You were so. throwing glitter around. <laughs> like this guy is in it. 
I even had like a, a foam finger. I was gonna, <laughs> it didn't even make sense. But no, I just, it didn't. I just, <laughs> no. <laughs> you were like, track one, just play track one. <laughs> track one. And I was like, no, cheese heads. Wait, that wouldn't even be a finger. That'd be it a wouldn't. cheese head thing. Anyway, <laughs> um, tell us about the other two EPs before we get too far off track. Yeah, I like being off track. I live there. Um, well, the, the idea was sort of, to, I have these three different ideas for albums, but in, in the way that I release albums and is financially able to, uh, it would take six years for all of them to come out. And I was excited about all three of them right now. So I'm very impatient. So I was just like, well, what if I just did three EPs with one Kickstarter campaign and it worked, it, you know, it was funded and this is the first one. And the second one will be, uh, a Christmas EP with my friend, Stacy Lance, who sings on everything I do. If you hear a girl sing on my music, it's her. Um, and we we've, we sort of separately had written a couple of holiday themed songs last year, and we were mm-hmm. we were like we should do something with this. And so we went on this Christmas tour. We played a bunch of people's living rooms. We played these house shows last December, and it was so fun. And we the songs really came to life, and we realized that they kind of you know my songs that I had written and then hers sort of complement each other. And we were like, you know what, we sing together all the time. Let's just put out an EP, sort of yeah. sort of a you know Doris Day, Bing Crosby style. We're gonna do. You know, she'll sing lead. I'll sing some lead. We'll just sort of do that. So that'll come out um, hopefully when it's not obnoxious to hear holiday music. Uh, <laughs> not too soon, right. but probably some time around Thanksgiving. And and uh, one exciting thing is we're about to start recording, and Andrew Osenga is producing it, but she hasn't great. done much of that in a while. So yeah. we're really excited to do that. And then the the, the next one, I'll st- I'll start uh, recording at the beginning of the year and hopefully it'll come out in the spring. And I, mm-hmm. that one's kind of fuzzy right now. I don't really know exactly thematically. I have a c- couple ideas, but I knew that I wanted to do something that was a little bit polar opposite of Future Boy, which was just more sort of... I, my favorite kinds of albums are the ones that are, are just acoustic and piano and voices, mm-hmm. like three-part harmony. That sort of... Not necessarily folk or Americana, but that sort of... I love yeah. that instrumentation, you know? And so I wanted to write something that was kind of specifically that. And some percussion, too, but... And not not necessarily, like you know, sad sack ballads necessarily. Yeah. That will probably be in there. Yeah. But I like I like the ones that are sort of more upbeat and fun and, and bouncy, but they that it's acoustic and piano and just sort of, you know, in that vein and uh sure. and and I'm I'm for sure gonna rope Stacy to come and play and sing on it as well. And uh she has that great quality to her, you know, throwback quality to her voice as well, yeah. which which lends very well to the sort of Christmas standard and then also to you know, good sort of fun, upbeat folk songs. Yeah. So well, that's now, what the third one's going to be. Are you going for uh, a more like traditional Christmas sound? Now, by traditional, I don't mean what it would sound like in Bethlehem, like, <laughs> right? Blow a Just a lot of sheep, a lot of sheep. Like you know, you mentioned like at, at Bing Crosby. I think you right. said in different ones. Like, are you going for a sound that's more of that era on this? Or are you no, not at all. Okay. So that's very misleading that I said that. No, okay, no, uh, I just thought no, that'd be cool. Like because that's that's very like it's technically very difficult music to play. Like, yes, it is, so which is why we're not doing that. <laughs> uh, I would love that, and I've I've been trying to push Stacey Lance to put out a full-on, like, throwback album mm-hmm. to that era to have, like, a jazz, like, a, you know, 19-piece jazz oh, orchestra behind be, her. That would be Like exciting. Ella Fitzgerald or something. She would, yeah. she would slay that. That'd be amazing. But, no, this is more specific. We've actually talked about where we want, and the songs we've written for this aren't Christmas songs necessarily, mm-hmm. but they're songs about sort of the feelings that come around Christmas, and especially us being adults now mm-hmm. and sort of the, the melancholy of, 
how the end of the year sometimes is a bummer. Yeah. You know, not necessarily depressing, but like it can be, you know, because, you know, whether you're like, oh, I didn't get as much done as I thought I was going to get done. So, like, there's a lot of like, and then, you know, nostalgic about, you know, past, maybe family members have passed away, and, you know, Christmas is painful for a lot of people. So, mm-hmm. and, and, there's fun in it too. Like the songs are, are, are very fun, but there, there's a lot of, we wanted to write songs that weren't necessarily Christmas songs. They could be played all year round, but they are sort of based around the feelings that come with the holiday season. Mm-hmm. So, cause it's really hard to write an original Christmas song. And even when I sort of was like, I love Christmas music. Don't get me wrong. But anytime I hear it, I'm, I'm just sort of like, why do we need a new Christmas album? Yeah. Cause we don't need one. We have enough of them, but it's so, like, but if there's an interesting take on it, like I want to hear that. And so that's yeah. what we're trying to accomplish here is to have something that's a little bit more production wise, maybe could fit into the winter months mm-hmm. nicely. Um, even sort of in the lighter moments of the, cause we, there's a couple of songs that are really fun and maybe borderline corny and cutesy, but that just comes with the territory of Christmas. All I can think of now when you're talking about Christmas is that I'll feel it in my fingers. <laughs> From Love Actually. I'll feel it in my toes. Yeah, we're covering that song. <laughs> and for the sake of the call, actually. It's weird. <laughs> we're covering that as well. Oh, that'd be fantastic. Yeah. Uh, what a what a weird and wonderful I know. Concept, what a weird... I know. I'm, I'm going to put yeah. a different cover of from Steve Curtis on every single album I do from now on. <laughs> but it has to be the mullet years. That's yeah, right. uh, yeah, yeah. Only the mullet. I would love it if Capital put out, or whatever his label is, they put out, like, the, the mullet years. Yeah. The collection. <laughs> well, and what would be, like, like double mullet years, or, like... Because he, he got his start, from what I understand... Working at Opryland, playing with Diamond Rio. Oh, like he those was, are some mullets. They were in a yeah. Like I don't know if they still have them, but at the time it was like it was like the mullet band. Everybody Sight unseen. I think it's safe to say that at least two members of Diamond Rio still have mullets. <laughs> I haven't seen them in twenty years. I Probably. think it's a safe bet. <laughs> Very good. Well, tell us anything else that that we need to know as fans of your music. Where can they listen to you? I mean, yeah, shoot, it comes on, out on everything tomorrow, it's September twenty second. They're probably going to dedicate a whole under the radar episode to you up in Chicago. <laughs> they, they probably will, cause um, only because I'm paying him. So. I'm, I'm paying him to promote <laughs> me. Uh, I pay Dave twenty grand a year just to talk about me on his radio show. You're, you're the one that uh, brought his show back. It's true. It was me. I was like, this can't end because who will promote me? It's only you and Rick James. That's so it. I. <laughs> yeah, that's all I got. Um, no, I, I'm doing a little side podcast uh, this the week of release. So probably if you listen to this after the week of September 22nd, then it's our, all the episodes are up. But every day I'm releasing a little five minute uh, little insight podcast. It digs a little bit deeper into every every track on the EP and uh, and a little bit more sort of the behind the scenes. I play some demos, which are very embarrassing. Uh, that I recorded on my phone of the songs and how it turned into what it turned into. Because the songs are very produced and very, like, guitar-heavy. I barely played guitar on it because I don't play electric guitar very well. Mm -hmm. So it was very interesting to sort of just sit on a couch a lot and Mm -hmm. give my opinion and not really play. But, uh, so... Anyway, that podcast is called The Future Boy Podcast. It's the only one on iTunes, uh, and it's on SoundCloud, too. So if you want to check that out, it's something new I'm trying. Nice. And then my podcast, Who Writes the Stuff, uh, which has its 100th episode coming up in, like, four weeks. All right. So, yeah. That's cool. Hey, let's close on one, one, like, deeper question that doesn't necessarily have to do with this album, but has to do with more things overall i love it because uh, people who listen to this show are, we're generally talking about something christian related right on the podcast and i love the conversation um 
one reason I love having all types of musicians, um, whether they're people of faith or not, I'm actually having a lot more like authors and people come on that. Yeah, I've noticed that. Yeah, yeah and, I, and I'm loving it. I mean, it's been great uh, having Rambo's author. You know, it was pretty awesome to have him on there. <laughs> yeah, but to hear different types of thing. Everybody's at a different place in their walk, and, and in fact, I heard a podcast on my long drive down here today from Ohio, and they were talking with a um, a uh, an oh, shoot. I feel terrible. I can't remember. It wasn't a band I was familiar with, but he was a person that was in that uh, that metal era of Christian music, like with Striper, Striper and all. Yeah. So they're like touring with t- Striper and doing all that kind of stuff. And he brought up, he said at that time, he was like a new Christian, and there was mm. not a category yet for like people who played styles that was not like Gaither <laughs> yeah. or something. And of course back then if you were in that metal crowd like that was the like popular Christian back I w- I want to say early 80s late 70s you know and that kind of came. Yeah. And um and he was talking about the resistance that the church gave because they didn't look a certain way they didn't act you know the same as the other ones and and they kind of wore you know leather clothes and and uh, and he kind of became a Christian out of this background of of like complete atheism, and then um, when God found him, it just kind of changed everything. And he started like really living into that metal lifestyle, but in a way almost like a missionary would, mm-hmm. like because he wanted to like reach kids that he knew were out there. That he just like became really passionate about you know a lot of people who were on the streets and people who were deep in drugs and they were getting different things. And there, there is actually a conversation piece. I'll try to wrap it up. Well, this is this is good. I like <laughs> but this. what he was saying about it was, he said the church was so resistant um, at that time to that kind of artist because they'd never seen it before. They didn't think anything good. Matter of fact, I think it was I think Jerry Falwell. He said came out and said that his band they were all homosexuals, and uh, which wasn't true. Yeah. Uh, but you know it was. Which is a whole different conversation. All yeah, in itself, it seems but, a little bit fear-based. And he said other like metal musicians because they were traveling with some like actual you know do you call them top forty metal bands or whatever yeah you know, the big ones at that time who were not believers mm. and they said they said why are why are church people so upset about what you're doing because you're doing something very positive we don't understand like why the church crowd is like so negative on you right because you're trying to help kids that are like coming from abuse situations you're trying to help them get out of drugs you're trying to help them with with all sorts of various you know that suicide was a real you know pro- still is a real problem so he's talking about this and he said the people that were not believers were saying to his band, like, I don't get it. Why is the ch- we like you guys? Why is the church like we're we're digging what you're trying to do? Why yeah. is the church so anti against it? So bring that forward to our time, okay? And you're an artist who's a believer, but you're not necessarily one that's writing specifically like for the church. No. You're not you're not writing hymns and doing things like that. Um, where do you see? I'm trying to figure out what my question is exactly in that, but how how do you see? Um, the response, like from from the church audience to people like you, I guess that mm. it, that are doing that because I write music that is more geared toward like serving the church yeah. in like a worship setting. But but I love all kinds. It's just that happens to be where I'm more gifted at, I think. And so like coming at you, like I, I know I had you play at a store in Ohio, and the store mm. owner asked, you know, after hearing your music, <laughs> is 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 Nick a Christian? You know, like <laughs> I that. get that a lot, yeah. and I was like. 
Yeah, yeah. Don't worry about of, it. Of course, yeah. yeah. Like, what if he wasn't? Would you not let him come? You know, or whatever. Yeah. And so, anyway, I'm just curious because I want to hear your perspective of things like being a Christian who is an artist versus being a Christian artist, yeah. so to speak. And like, I'm sort of against it. <laughs> the end. Uh, no. Uh, I'm, I, I, I have a hard time because I don't want anything to sort of – any label or anything mm-hmm. to get in, in the way of anybody who would possibly listen – not even just to my music, but anybody's right. music. Mm-hmm. So like labeling something, and, and especially with Christian music, it gets very exclusive very quickly. Mm-hmm. And um, I've played shows throughout the years. I've sort of unofficially stopped now playing churches specifically as venues. Mm-hmm. Um, mostly because I have a large fan base that that are believers of many faiths, but also ones that don't want to have anything to do with it at all, and mm-hmm. they aren't going to come to a church when I play their town. Like, and that really hurt me. And I started like seeing, like, oh, I see. And then I don't know. I sort of saw what they were talking about, and like they felt either they had their own issues with it, where mm-hmm. the church wasn't the most welcoming place to them, as okay. you know, years past or whatever. But also, I've sort of you go. If I've been to shows at churches before, and it feels like a bait and switch a little bit, where it's like, oh, like this, they're just trying to get me into the, you know, in here, and then not convert me necessarily, but they're just trying to get me to come to their church, so I will tithe, so right. I will whatever. So, and that's not every church, but I've had that experience before. Where I'm like, oh, this does feel like a bait and switch, and I've I've had it literally with me where I've been asked to play a church, and then, and I've let them know, I was like, you know what I do, right? You've heard mm-hmm. my music, and I. I and I tell a lot of stories in my, you know, for my songs, and I have a lot of, um, I have a lot of spiritual themes in my music and stuff, mm-hmm. specifically with community, and I'm I'm a big believer in that, and so that fits really well at churches uh, when I play them or when I have played them in the past, and then I get up there and they're and they are like, oh, will you just play like a 30 minute like worship set before we start? Thanks, and I'm like, whoa, <laughs> and that's what I think about you, and I'm like, man, yeah. if I was rig- I could just pull this out and, and no problem, but that's not a skill set I have. I just yeah. don't have, and I don't necessarily have a specific heart for it because we all just have the gifts and the heart that we have, yeah. and so it just for me. That and I had to say no, no. That's not what I do. Like, yeah. that's why I asked you that. So it is hard. So anytime in, there's any kind of label that will stop stop people at the door to mm-hmm. get to my music, or right. you know, it, I'm I'm a little bit leery of it. So yeah. so for me, it's more. I'd rather just not. Like once we get in into the show or one on one, like let's talk about everything. But like to the to that point, I, I'd I'd rather just sort of. For me, I'd rather play all sorts of places mm-hmm. and not really be seen as a specific, like I'll play escape to leg the under the radar thing, which, you know, they have worship services there and everything, but, uh, you know, and then I'll play like a, a dive pizza bar, mm-hmm. you know, and, uh, you know, in Louisville or something on the way up. And so I, I want to be able to fit my music into everything, into every possible scenario and it have the impact that it has. But if, you know, if you're known as a Christian artist immediately mm-hmm. out of the gate, you immediately, you know, you you speak to a specific audience, but you also alienate a bunch of them too. Yeah. And I, I saw that out of the gate growing up in the very strict Christian subculture that I grew up in, mm-hmm. and I was like, oh, I don't want to be like that because yeah. it is it is very warm and comfortable, and it feels good. And I made a lot of friends, and I met, I you know I, I found a lot of great music through that, but also. Mm-hmm. It, it feels exclusionary, and I feel like music is supposed to welcome people in instead of keep people out. You know, right. yeah, and I think it's important that we don't we don't pretend. I, and that's and I think it's it was Hans Urs von Balthasar or somebody um, that said 
when you label me, you negate me. You know, yeah. the whole idea about it. And I, I think it's very important as someone who is like in the church doing that kind of music. And I wish I could do your your kind better, but at the same time, and I wish I could do your kind. It's better. one of those, it's one of those things like we could wish all day, but right. actually, I think we're created to be the person we were created to be. And oh, hundred percent. There's something that when we find the uniqueness of where we are placed on this earth and what we are to do, that we can't actually. Um, we can't actually help other people until we find that. Like, how are we? How are we being giving to those other people when we're constantly wanting something else we don't have? Yeah, you know, in that way. And it's and hard so, because as human beings, it's our nature to label things. Yeah. Because it makes our brain understand them. Yeah. It's not necessarily a bad thing. It's just something we all do. It's why it's easy to put things in genres. And when you mm-hmm. tell people what kind of music you play, you confuse them if you if you tell them a bunch mm-hmm. of different genres together. Or if you, you – know, I never know how to answer that question when people ask me what kind of music I play. Yeah. So that's why we answer in broad strokes. But really, everybody is specifically different. And so – Well, I'm, and I'm always concerned about it because, I, I mean, we're at a, a place where – like I, I don't want to fool people into like no. <laughs> what kind of music you, you have to like. But I do want – I feel like the church can be so close-minded – Mm-hmm. about music whereas a lot of people that are not necessarily believers are like yeah whatever come on let's hear it you know and i think that's that's crazy because even back to to bach you know like he who was constantly kicked out of churches because his music was called demonic and it's pretty and he, rocking and he literally wrote at you know at the top of his page when he write jesus help because he yeah. wanted this to be to glorify god whatever yeah. it was and i don't know it's just interesting to the way that sometimes we can be so attack our own but i I guess all it is say i was interested in your perspective again and i want you to keep doing what you're doing because i think we need that and i think um the glory of the maker shines through all different sorts of panes of glass you know in this world and i really feel like there's a place for for all of it but uh it's a good cautionary tale for all of us too that we have to be careful how we label and how we negate and um and how we kind of push people off sometimes mm-hmm. by what we're doing. So Yeah, I'd encourage people to take a little bit of a deeper look instead of just writing people off at first glance. You yeah. know, just like that metal guy. Like you know, if you really like I'm gonna see what this guy's about. Like even mm-hmm. if it's just watching a couple of YouTube interviews of people and yeah. stuff, you'll you'll figure out very quickly yeah. that some people are you know, deeper than you give them credit for. or And then some people are exactly what you think. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> On the other hand, some people aren't deep at all. Very true, very true. Some people aren't. Well, Nick, we have taken up like uh, probably like close to an hour now. So 52 minutes. Think 52 minutes, but when we get all the songs on here, that's it's going to be longer. So. For the sake I, of the call, it's like a seven-minute song. That's right. Yeah, <laughs> well, thanks so much for being one of the voices in my head this week. It has been a real honor, and uh, it's it's been great even, even in this – very small hotel room where we yeah, it's great. Broadcast this. Very nice. Yeah, thanks, so, Rick. Yeah, well, thanks, Nick. You've been listening to Voices in My Head, the official podcast of Rick Lee James. If you'd like to know more about me, my ministry, my music, my life, go to my website at rickleejames.com. And I'd love this to be a community experience. So if you call 937-505-0162, you can leave feedback. You can give me suggestions for future shows. You can even record comments that I can play on the next podcast. So let's make this something really great together. 937-505-0162. Thank you so much for listening to Voices in My Head, the official Rick Lee James podcast. God bless.
It is. 